0: Welcome to ServiceNow Tech Bytes, bringing you an inside look at our products. I'm your host, Steve Miller. Today we're going to talk about the Predictive Intelligence Workbench with Product Manager Raghu Vemouri. It's a new application in the Paris release that helps you add machine learning to your ServiceNow workflows. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first all remote episode of TechBytes. My guest and my sound engineer and I are all at our respective homes connected by the internet. Today, I'm happy to welcome Raghu Vemori. Hey, Steve. Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. Before we get started talking about PI Workbench, maybe you can tell us what you do here at ServiceNow.
1: Sure. Um, so, I'm an ITSM product manager for Predictive Intelligence Workbench and the product owner for PI Workbench, which is what we are releasing in Paris. I've been there with ServiceNow since the beginning of our AI ML journey, Uh, joined the data insights team around the time when we acquired DX Continuum. That was our first AI ML acquisition. So as far as my team and what I do, uh, we are a small team of product managers and data scientists focused on uh, executing on our AI first strategy. When I started off, I traveled uh, around the globe, met with uh, multiple customers and uh, evangelized uh, AI and ML, and then later led uh, the Kingston release of uh, ITSM predictive intelligence uh, capabilities. Now, basically, I've kind of seen how customers implement uh, predictive intelligence and machine learning, kind of understood what were the customer personas implementing AI, the pain points, and uh, you know that was kind of the genesis for this product. AI workbench, which I'll be excited to talk about. Oh, so you've been on this
0: all the way since the Kingston release. That gives you quite a historical perspective on this.
1: Yep. I've, I've seen it all, at least through through the service now eyes. Okay, good. And how about when you're not at work? Uh, how do you keep busy during your off time? Yeah. So uh, so most of my time I kind of spend with family and friends, you know, uh, hiking at various destinations around the Bay Area. And the rest of the time, you know, I'm just maybe a technology fanatic, I guess. I don't know. Uh, try to keep up on the technology trends uh, and and see how the market is doing. Okay. Well, that sounds good.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about PI Workbench then. So this is a new app now for ITSM lineup.
1: Yeah. So it is is certainly um, a product originated within the ITSM business unit. But as we started off the journey, we knew um, we want to kind of make it a a generic framework uh, with each business unit having the ability to create their own use cases. So maybe what I can do is to highlight what Predictive Intelligence Workbench's goal is and what led to it. I'll probably give a little history on the customer pain points we talked about just before and uh, then explain you the goal. So with PI... You know, basically, the idea was to kind of have a couple of these ITSM use cases, you know, in front of our customers to uh, alleviate the mundane task of triaging for their service desk agents, and uh, all the customer would have to do is to train a machine learning model and integrate it within their service workflows. Customers have really embraced it. We we really saw um, their ML and AI champions, um, who typically are domain experts, platform owners, you know, admins. Uh, and they have good social capital in their companies, take it upon themselves to make AI and ML work within their company. But
0: they're not really the people with the programming expertise.
1: Absolutely not. And that's, I mean, not always programming and more so, certainly not data science. But one thing we saw, which was pretty encouraging, is they all had a learner's mindset, right? So what that meant to us is, like, at least during the customer calls we saw, um, we we're pretty impressed with their creativity and the professional pride they take in training the first model because they don't really have the data science background. It was pretty clear that you know, having some practical help in deploying machine learning in production workflows and managing it over time, communicating the value to their stakeholders and leadership would uh, enhance and build upon the trust they have earned. And that's exactly what PI Workbench intends to do. Right. So it helps to change the conversation from a capability-based ML to outcomes and value-based ML in a language that's familiar to the process owners.
0: How would you describe the difference between capability-based and value-based?
1: Sure. So when we talk about capability-based, which is what we released in um, P- uh, Kingston with AI, it is more to do with capabilities like classification, you know, similarity, you know, clustering. These are all different algorithms and models that we have a platform capability on, and then customers can use their use cases. Whereas a value-based ML is primarily to talk about the use cases. You know, what is that you want to use it for, right? What is the outcome you're driving and how machine learning can be part of that journey?
0: I see. So that's a natural evolution then in the product.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that that's what uh, users were comfortable with, right? So obviously we, we started talking their language more so than before.
0: Yeah, that's what they're working with and aiming for. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me a little bit more about the the use cases.
1: Yeah, so when we talk about use cases, we are really talking about um, you know business processes. Um, if we talk about creating an incident, you know, we are talking about auto assigning, auto categorizing, predicting configuration items, testing relevant major incidents, you know, things like that. So all these are different. Uh, ways in which, when a customer is creating an incident or when an agent is creating an incident, these play a part in quickly creating it and efficiently resolving the the incident. So I can I can say you know uh, the advantage we are trying to get with PI Workbench is um, when we talk to the customers we we heard you know questions like hey you know what ServiceNow has our data why is it not training a model for us out of the box right so why do we have to do this configuration. Other, other questions could be things like, uh, am I following the right steps in the implementation? How do I know this model is the right model for me? And lots of questions around integration and how can these models coexist with the business rules? And and can we give some kind of a best practice guidance for the customers as they are going with that journey, see how other customers are doing and help them along the way? So we essentially build these features within the product and we kind of guide them be it creating an out-of-box trained model or, you know, giving the best practice guidance on, you know, if the customer is creating an outsourced service desk or has a outsourced service desk, maybe one model uh, for assignment group would be good. If they are creating or they want a use case for self-service incidents, you know, maybe they can create for that, just that one contact type, things like that, essentially. Based on uh, their data, we are able to recommend, you know, what would be the best uh, input fields uh, to to create a better model on the next iteration we we saw that customers were typically or at least process owners were not typically comfortable tweaking those business rules uh, so we provided a no code integration option and also readily giving correlation between the business metrics and the machine learning metrics so that those are some of those feature enhancements we did.
0: Okay, so it sounds like uh, with, this, with this latest iteration, they start off farther ahead with pre-trained models,
1: and it's easier for them to make modifications as they go forward. Correct, exactly. Yep. And uh, essentially, by doing that, what, what's happening is the customers are able to just focus more on business scenarios as they are talking to their stakeholders, and this will be a, a good bridge for that discussion and collaboration to happen.
0: Well, earlier you mentioned the guided setup for creating models. How does that work?
1: So, when we talk about guided setup, really, you know, it's a feature of ServiceNow that, uh, that typically helps customers in creating or setting up a particular process. And we are using um, that familiar functionality, although we customize quite a bit to fit machine learning to, to guide the customer through those processes, right? So, different stages of ML lifecycle typically are you know, creating a model, evaluating, and tuning a model testing a model, integrating, monitoring, and needless to say the the pre-training during the plugin installation time itself, right? So all these different stages, we are able to kind of uh, use that familiar guided paths and work through it. Uh, Now, what we are doing for Paris um, was to support four flows essentially through guided setup. If we are able to generate a pre-trained model or if we uh, want the customer to go through this implementation journey, and also through documentation for rest of the use cases, which we could not take on due to time constraints.
0: Are you gonna expand the, the number of guided setups?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so the idea is we want to really have a, this tool as an avenue where you know our product managers, as they are dreaming of these newer use cases to enable this ML AI transformation for their customers, uh, come up with all these different use cases. And we want to stand behind that and make sure we make that implementation much, much faster and have the customer focus more on the business outcomes that they want to start. So absolutely, yes, we will.
0: It'll expand that. Okay, well, good. This sounds like kind of an interesting extension to the whole guided setup idea. I'm familiar with guided setup with other apps where once you uh, activate the plugin and you're really getting started, that's when guided setup helps you. But it sounds like you guys are expecting uh, users to use guided setup continuously going forward as they implement new models. Is that right?
1: Yeah, no, well said, actually. So uh, one part of this whole guided setup thing is the initial configuration, but we are using the same interface because now they have gotten through this process and this is a familiar interface. And we want to use that while the model is in production, monitoring that use case, You know, making sure the models are performing to the expected efficacy that, that can meet their business goal. And also, as they are doing that, quickly and readily uh, help uh, the process owner communicate to their stakeholders on the value it's bringing to the corporation. Right? So those are some, some things, and uh, this will be an ongoing thing, not just for initial configuration, yes.
0: Okay, and one other thing that I'm curious about, evaluating the efficacy of your model. Is it the guided setup? Uh, does that help them do that as well, or is that a, or another feature that helps them evaluate effect- efficacy?
1: So once the model is deployed, we have a different feature within the tool to monitor all those models. So we have a monitoring functionality, and we define something like called an underperforming model, right? So we have certain thresholds. And if the model is not achieving those thresholds, uh, we tag them as an underperforming model. So all the process owner or an ML champion needs to do is click on it and see where, where the model is not performing. Essentially go to a dashboard view and looking at it, they will be able to either tweak those underperforming thresholds or retrain a model or do the necessary... T- uh, tuning to, to make sure certain business groups or assignment groups can be filtered out.
0: Okay. So it identifies models that have issues and guides them then in improving them.
1: Absolutely. While we are doing that, we also talk about, you know, what are the typical best practices in tuning? Okay. Um, we were talking about the product is supplied with
0: certain models designed to meet common applications, common use cases. Can they modify those to tailor them to their own businesses?
1: Uh, yeah, when you say modify, right? Uh, we we are doing it in two parts. Actually, it, it has two parts to the story there. Uh, one is the underperformance that I just talked about. But as we treat each model as an experiment, right? So what we say is, okay, let's start off this experiment and make sure we get a particular model. Now the process or the implementer ML champion is communicating with the stakeholder and either tweaking that model or maybe creating one more model. right? So each model, since it's an experiment, the way we go about is we say, let's make sure we track those experiments. Let's make sure we get the best experiment upfront, which is the best model surface readily to the user. And there again, we have certain features where we can identify that. And then when they roll out, they know that this is this is the best model for the job. And they are able to also see, you know, what were the other models they had to go through before they landed on this.
0: So it sounds like uh, experimentation, constant iteration. That's just a feature of this product.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's kind of core to machine learning, right? You want to have a machine learning solution, which is typically allowing you to experiment and uh, ensure, you know, the best model is deployed in the environment.
0: Yes. And then it stays up to date by reacting to changes that are identified from the data.
1: Yeah, absolutely. At least it'll it'll alert the customer that there are changes you got to act on it.
0: Well, then I understand there's a whole other side to this machine learning and that's the performance analytics. Can you tell us about that?
1: Sure. Um so with data and machine learning, insights is always key place, right? And uh, performance analytics is our tool to surface those insights and, you know, communicate uh, the business value through the dashboards. So essentially, we have three different uh, tabs of the dashboard. The first one is to do with communicating the business value and um, being able to customize these metrics to each customer's environment. You know, we seed some uh, metrics out of the box like MTTR, average cost of the incident or, you know, CSAT and things like that. But the customers can always modify it to what they would like to. and uh, the second tab is really the monitoring part that I talked about, right? So uh, that'll tell you typically how many predictions are correct, you know how how well is the model doing as opposed to what it was supposed to do, how many are incorrect, you know how many have been skipped, and that' will help the customer tune these models back and you know make sure they stay current. And the final one is to do with the training model stats, right. So which is once the model is trained, Uh, How many assignment groups can be predicted? How many are excluded in this training, right? How well is the data distributed across assignment groups? Things like that.
0: So PI Workbench, you're just introducing this now as a new product. Do you have some sense for how it's going to work out with our customers? I mean, it sounds like you are responding to feedback that you've heard what's your prediction for
1: these these early stages yeah absolutely certainly i i think i don't have a crystal ball there but um, obviously what i can say from um, my initial you know validation and the team with different customers is that we, we did extensive concept testing and some beta testing um, after the product uh, was released internally so what we can say is Uh, We made that special effort to really listen to the customers along the way. uh, And we got a big thumbs up, especially with respect to how we are able to streamline this process, you know, how we are able to kind of get that confidence in each step of the way and suggest those number of improvements along the way, really. So what I can say is the initial validation, it was pretty clear that this will be the uh, missing bridge to leverage the value from uh, their pro investments for the customers and also, it'll be a it's a it's a good bridge to collaborate between the stakeholders and ML champions for enabling that quick implementation. Those two are something that um, clearly we can, we can see customer will use it for, and then um, deliver the value on a continual basis and make that automation black box more transparent, right? So when the model is there, all you know is you know a model is trained and it is activated, but exactly what's happening, when should I intervene, and things like that are not very articulated in the current product, and we are making that black box more transparent. Yeah, so I mean, one other thing I can uh, say is, uh, we have a good roadmap for the product. So that gives me a high degree of confidence that it should resonate well as the product evolves in the next couple of releases.
0: Okay. Let's, uh, that's certainly encouraging. And this is feedback from people who've been trying to use PI for a while, right? So they have some expertise and they know what they're talking about.
1: Absolutely. Yep. They have gone through the pain points. They've they articulated it. You know, it was very refreshing to really, you know, go back to them and test those concepts. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Well, we'll see how it goes.
0: All right. Well, suppose I'm a customer and how would I get started using PI Workbench?
1: So actually PI Workbench kind of starts by itself. And what I mean by that is when you request uh, for an activation of the plugin, mm-hmm. PI Workbench is actually starting to analyze your data right there as the plugin install process and automatically creates those pre-trained models uh, I talked about using the auto train functionality we have. Now, if the model is good and like the customer is using an out-of-box uh, implementation for assignment group, let's say, they can just directly drop it into uh, their workflow with the no-code integration. So it starts by itself, really, and then they can always make those improvements and all the advanced functionality we just talked about.
0: Okay. Well, you've given us a good glimpse of this new product here. Uh, Anything else you wanted to add about it?
1: No, I I think uh, I would say, you know, we we have pretty good documentation, uh, both in terms of embedded help and the documentation for each use case. Um, With this product, we are kind of when typically we get these technology platform or capabilities up, but with this product, we are actually giving that implementation guidance. And uh, I feel like uh, going through the product documentation and embedded help will make it much easier for the customers as they go along. Okay, good. So
0: this does make use of that embedded help. I know we're trying to spread that more throughout our product.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for joining us. This has been a very enlightening look at the
1: product. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Steve. It, it was great to talk about the product and tell our customers you know, how this is going and where it will land. So.
0: All right. Well, best of luck with the product and uh, we'll check back with you and see how it's doing, uh, another release or so.
1: Yep. Thank you, Steve. Take care.
0: Please tell us what you think of this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more information on any ServiceNow topic, take a look at our product documentation, knowledge base, or ServiceNow support YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.